Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Welcome in to the Gramlich and McLean podcast, episode 285, and the first episode of our summer guest series here for 2023. We'll be releasing one episode per week with some really exciting guests that I hope the listeners are excited about, Mac, and the viewers, but honestly, we're more excited because we get to talk to some people that we know, That's but right. you don't know their full story, and you really get to know them, and I mean, you and I are just people, people, yeah. people. People pleasers, whatever it is, we just we want to talk to people and learn their stories, and so this was a really fun episode. That's right. It's my favorite time, KG. Like I, I do love obviously sports and and us diving into college football, but th- this element of what we do, where we just get to hear other people's stories and and dive into you know the the, the these folks that are so successful at the top of what they do, um, hear how they got there, hear other interests that they have. Uh, this just truly is is one of my favorite. And if you guys forget, last year we, we had an awesome run of guests. Kirk Herbstreet, Reese Davis, Greg McElroy, uh, Nicole Auerbach, uh, Katie George, all these great folks. Um, so go check those out if you have some extra time. But we're going to be flooding you with all kinds of new guests all summer long. Yes. And so before we tell you about our great partners at Ingles, of course, let's talk about our guest for today, Stanford Steve. Steve Coughlin, <laughs> or Stanford Steve is a sports center commentator and sports betting analyst for ESPN. He's really the sports betting analyst for ESPN in a lot of respects. You can find him most frequently on the Midnight Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt. He's probably on tonight. He also appears <laughs> on the daily ESPN sports betting program, Daily Wager. I got to go on a few times with him during the women's tournament. It was really fun. And he does podcasts. He writes for ESPN.com. He, he does it all, Mac. He, he truly does. I mean, he, he's a renaissance man. And prior to working on SportsCenter, guys, he was on ESPN Radio. And this story that you'll hear mm. right here in a couple of minutes was tremendous. I mean, hearing how he got to where he did. Uh, he, he played at, uh, college football at Stanford, was just a really good high school recruit. And then, you know, things change. Things happen. Uh, and, and he moves on to the broadcasting world. How he got to where he is is absolutely brilliant. I love this interview, this episode. We dive into a lot of things. I think you guys are going to enjoy it too. Before we get to Steve KG, it is summertime. Our partner over at Ingles is helping us get ready for that. I'm grilling like crazy. This I talk about my favorite time interviewing people. My real reason this is my favorite time is because we get a grill exactly. out on the back porch, and Ingles is the spot to do it. Whether you're a big veggie guy, the produce section, KG has raved about this countless episodes, but also the meat that Ingles have. I mean, it's you're walking in there, you're grabbing stuff that you can get at a five-star restaurant. That's the quality that Ingles holds themselves to. You're going to see a bunch of different things on social media for me all summer long, so you got to check that out. That's right. And something tells me that Steve enjoys a good steak as well. That's and, right. That's and enjoys right. hitting up the grill. So let's check out this message from Ingles before we get to Steve about why their meat department is just truly top of the top. Did you know Ingalls only sells USDA choice and prime cuts of meat? Maybe it's time to reward yourself. Our butchers cut all our meat fresh in the store every day. Grass-fed, organic, you name it. Not only that, we'll even cut it to order just the way you like it. And we grind meat fresh in the store multiple times a day. It's all in the bag. That's the best meat in town for the best folks in town. Ingalls. Low prices. Love the savings. 
Sanford, Steve, welcome into the show. This is really exciting for me and I know for Mac, but I know. So Steve and I, this is a little behind the scenes. We've been talking about some uh, women's hoops uh, gambling on occasion. And I know obviously Stanford Steve's a sport bet- sports betting analyst for ESPN. And we both believe that that can help grow the game. But Steve, just thanks for coming on, man. How is this time of year for you? I know you've, you're obviously huge into college football. March Madness just ended. We've got Masters just ended. You've got baseball and so many things coming up. So what's this time of year like for you? Yeah, it's actually it's, – it's a real quick lull, Kelly. Like yeah. it, it, Scott's going to be drained coming back from the Masters. I actually got a couple days off uh, around the Masters, knowing how tight the credentials are down at Augusta. <laughs> so it gives us a little break. I think it helps him to get time away from me. But we got – we're ramping up here. We got We got NBA playoffs. We got Stanley Cup playoffs. And most of the nights you're going to see us following those games. So it is, uh, it's a May marathon. When, when, when we get to May, I know we got some April left, but I mean, these, we got playing games now and you know, the playoffs are getting extended. Uh, you mentioned baseball. I try and keep my eyes on, uh, college baseball, college softball as much as possible. So, uh, it's, it, it feels like it's, you know, March Madness. Yes. Everybody's yeah. so invested it feels like <laughs> because of their bracket and there's a, That's it's right. a time to be a little selfish about your bracket and stuff like that <laughs> so for us it's kind of you know not cringeworthy but like you're just looking at may ahead of us and it's like oh man we're uh, we we're, we're about right. to be in it that's for sure but nobody cares about that they just want us on the tv after the games and, and we'll be there for that that's right. Just tell us who to pick and tell us why we're dumb for picking what we did. So that, that's what we need to hear. Um, man, th- th- listen, we're doing our, our summer guest list here. You, you know, it's it's one of my favorite things that we do just, you know, because we get to jump in and, and really talk to people and hear their story and how and why they do what they do. And and so we're going to be all over the place today. But I do want to go back to, to the football days, man, because coming out of high school, I mean, you were a dog. I mean, All-American first team. Uh, unanimous, I think, player of the year by a couple of different outlets, or excuse me, in the country, not just, you know, the state of Connecticut, all these different things. You go to Stanford. Um, how did that, you know, experience, decision to, to go to Stanford, how did that propel you to, to know where, where you are today? Well, uh, yeah, it's the problem, Mac, here is it gets older and older and harder to remember a lot. As <laughs> so you, just make it up. How do you want to do it? <laughs> no, um, you know, my, my dad passed away when I was uh, going into my junior year of high school. So I didn't have, uh, you know, I had a brother that went to Columbia that helped me. Uh, obviously, my mom was in the mix. But I, I just go back to that time. And I think I do think about it a lot now with NIL and stuff like that because there was none of that then. What we had was, I think it was August 1st, coaches could finally call you. So you get all this mail and stuff, and you're like, yeah, you know, it feels good. But it's just, you know, quotes, motivational quotes and all that stuff. So it's like, all right, we'll see, you know, when the time comes. And, you know, before my senior year, I think when they could finally call, like, it, my, I, I had a job. I went and, I went to work, and my mom kept the phone. She, and I came, I remember coming back, and, like, she had one of the big yellow notepads and it was like 50 some schools I'm like oh boy I'm like this is this is going to be a challenge and it's really hard because you're a 17 18 year old kid and these guys are selling you the world you're going to be the guy this come to our place we got it all set up for you we got so-and-so coming back at quarterback our defense is good and you start talking to these guys every week and you build these relationships and now you're an 18 year old kid and you got to tell them no like that that's that's really really hard and there's no there's no book on it. It's, you know, you're trying, you know, 
and then there's stuff, you know, schools being added. Um, you know, I remember Coach Spurrier game started in the process real late, and I was just like blown away. They're number one in the country at the time, and you know, I had just come back from my visit at Stanford, where I'm sitting down uh, at the meal with Tiger Woods, like it's just it was an absolute whirlwind, and I, I didn't even end up taking up my my five visits. I I went to I went to North Carolina before my junior year to check out Chapel Hill, uh, Durham, uh, Raleigh, and and Winston Salem. So wow. I, I was I had a beat on that. Carolina was right there. Um, you know, getting recruited by Mac was was always a treat because he he's he's the utmost salesman and and he's not going to miss anything. But he did forget to tell me a year later after I signed Stanford he was going to take the Texas job. So I do <laughs> I do feel that. So I always have that on him uh, for making my decision feel. But you know, people ask you know why Stanford and all that. It all you have to do is go there for me. Um, it was. It was a chance to prove myself uh, without my father that I could go out and live, live on my own. I always wanted to go out school, you know, watching the Pac-12. I just thought it was cool seeing the uniforms um, and being in that, you know, you know, when it was daylight and it was nighttime back home, those 3.30 games. So, uh, but then just going there and those people, the academic staff, uh, Verity Powell, I'll still thank her to this day. She grabbed me and said, don't worry about a thing. And that, that, that's what I was scared about. I was scared about the academics. Uh, coming sure. from a small town in Connecticut, I just want to make sure I could do it, and uh, that's right. It wasn't pretty, but we we ended up getting there. <laughs> it might have been an extra semester, but we we do have the degree. It's actually right over here. Uh, Come on, being to hang it up. So, um, yes, it's 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 there. It, it took uh, four and a half, but uh, we got there, and I couldn't couldn't be happier with the with the decision. Sure, no doubt. A little victory lap. There's nothing wrong with that. Getting a little extra time. Yeah. Um, well, 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 how did how did uh, how did you go from that to to this man, we're ESPN, and and wanting to do, was that something that you studied? Had you wanted to do, you know, broadcasting or anything in any way? I'm always interested to hear, you know, kind of when was that moment for you? Well, being a Connecticut guy, like I was, oh, I mean, ESPN was on nonstop. Right there. You know, like right. I watched Sports Center three times before I went to school that day, so I had everything <laughs> memorized. I was the guy, you know, running your bracket pools and stuff like that, and that carried on you know, to college and I like, I would follow everything closely. You know, we started, um, you know, the BCS was it, while I was in college. So like, I kind of follow that. I mean, we were never really were in the mix cause we lost games early, but it was really cool to follow. That was, uh, my last year was, um, Cade McDown was number one in the country. They went to Miami and Edron James gave him a dose that, that day, uh, for the cancellation game. But, um, I was just a guy that was always in every sport, no matter what. Uh, I, I was involved in. So ESPN was always a goal. I just, I had no way to get in, you know, and I remember Rod Gilmore being our MC at our football banquet. I remember going up to him, like, you get this every year, but is there any chance, you know, you can help me out? And, you know, he gives you the the great answer. Yeah, you know, you know, here's my card, you know, you got in contact. But, uh, you know, that was the, that was the late nineties, early two thousands. That was internet startup. And I tried that and fell on my face. It was, it was bad. And I had nowhere. Nowhere, nothing, and I, I tell young guys all the time. I just did a a, a class, q and A Q&A with a class. I just you got to have a plan. As as much as it sucks when your guys are going out partying in school and they and they have more things figured out, and guys might have a you know a, a, an advantage somewhere down the line. You got to have a plan yourself. And and I didn't, I didn't. I, I still remember calling my mom. Mom, I got to come home. I don't have a I, I don't have a dollar. I don't have a job. And uh, it was it was real humbling, man. It was it was a it was a rough twelve months, 
And uh, I basically just started substitute teaching at a local high school and um, got in touch with a local radio guy who had worked at ESPN Radio. And that was a couple years, started doing high school games and took an entry-level part-time job at ESPN Radio as a production assistant and um, just worked my way up from there. And I, I knew once I got that, that, that in that I was going to do something with it, Be whether it was, you know, Mike and Mike shifts coming in at three in the morning, uh, overnight shifts, you know, being there when those guys came in at, at, at five in the morning, uh, no matter what it was going to, I was going to, I was going to do it. And along that line, I, I feel like you, you build relationships, but the only way for me was nobody knew me. And uh, it was, it was just through doing good work mm. and uh, getting guys prepared. And, you know, we know this, you know, being on this side of things now, you, you feel it's just like going to a game. If you're not prepped for the game, you're going to feel really bad. And going on air, if you don't have a plan, you're in trouble. So uh, it was just always trying to have that host back and, and, and fill them up uh, with as much information, and whether it was on the soundboard or an article that you wanted them to read. Uh, it was just, you know, from the ground all the way up, and uh, we're here today. Uh, Scott's relationship has, has met the world to me. I owe him everything. Uh, when he said, you know, we'd, it's already been seven years. Uh, September is going to be eight, I think. And, um, he said, you know, when he got this sports center, show, I was coming with him. I had never done a second of TV. I had no idea what to think. And, uh, we made it work. People like it. And, um, I, like I said, I owe him, I owe him everything. I mean, there's, there's so much there, Steve. And I think first and foremost, Mac and I can speak as former student athletes. When you, when you're looking for a job, the thing that people can, can know about you is that you do know how to work. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. And so it sounds like that was a big part of, of what got you to where you are. So you start as a production assistant and I've learned more about this. I didn't know anything about the ESPN structure before mm-hmm. I was hired by ESPN, but it is hard. I mean, very hard to rise up from a production assistant to, to where you are now. And I know you formed that relationship with Scott Van Pelt. I also have read about forming that relationship with Ryan Russillo. So tell me more about specifically you and SVP, because you guys are a dynamic duo. I mean, it, it feels like you can't think of one without the other. You do the Midnight Sports Center, which we know is one of ESPN's biggest shows. So how did you meet Scott and how did that relationship come together? Well, in 2007, I took over as a producer at a college game day radio show. Mm-hmm. And then in 2008, I started traveling with the show. And we basically were going wherever TV game day was. And Ryan became the host there. And being on the weekend every being out on the every weekend, I spent more time with Ryan than I did with my girlfriend slash wife uh, to be at the time. And you know, it was there was a lot of uh, you know anxious moments, whether it was just too, being around each other too much. But on those Mondays and Tuesdays, we would come back. Ryan did the show with Scott, and I would just go in there, you know, shoot the stuff with with those guys. Hey, what'd you watch this weekend? And we just. I always prided ourselves, you know, then, then I took over as, as the producer of the SVP and Rosillo show. And from there, there was just a, like, we weren't in it for wow moments. We were game watchers and we reacted to the games. Like it was, that, it was that simple. You know, it, it, it struggled a lot of times, uh, you know, to find a top, you know, there's always a topic or stuff like that or jumping off point. But we, we struggled with that because we just wanted to react to what we saw and we were the afternoon show. So that, that was, to some people's liking, and, you know, it was around the digital time when you couldn't measure uh, numbers and stuff like that. But then, I mean, I mean, we're 10 years out now. We still get stuff all the time. So there was a lot of people listening online. I don't think we accounted for. Uh, we had a live stream 
on there. It was when the chat started and, and people could message the show. So uh, I still get random random uh, stuff from people. Scott does too. Ryan does also. But from there, uh, you know, be able to get – like they would call on me on the radio show to, you know, wh- whether it was my take on the game or what I was looking forward to that weekend. And I just found a comfortableness talking to those guys. And I thought people liked that. And I think Scott did too. Uh, he respected what I what I saw and what I thought, and I thought that helped talk a lot and explain to people once we went to the TV side and saw another bald guy going up on the desk with him. <laughs> you know, what's this, what's this guy bringing to the table? So, um, yeah, it was a lot of it was just a lot of time. You know, I, I think people find you know whether it's program and stuff like that. You know, you guys have an obvious connection, but it, it's hard to just piece things together. You know, it sure. needs time to marinate. You know, and Scott and Ryan, you know, got frustrated by that. I got frustrated by it because you see all these other people, you know, getting these uh, opportunities, and it's like, hey, we, we got a following here. You just don't see it. And uh, it was it was tough to explain, but ended up, uh, I think, working out for all three of us because it uh, um, have shown they like us, and uh, I, I appreciate everybody still watching and listening. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing, brother, because it just sounds like it's – you know, three dudes having fun, watching sports, and, and you know, we're getting paid to do this. Yeah. Like, what? 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 What are we doing here? Um, so, w- walk us through, I guess, that transition to, to DC and and where you are now. Like, how, how did it come about? You said Scott told you, "Hey, if this happens, I'm bringing you." Yep. Well, I mean, what was I guess that period seven, eight years ago, which is crazy. What What was that like? Yeah. Uh, so the t- it was. I mean, yeah, I was I was nervous because I, I like I said he he's hosted Sports Center for. You know, 15 years, he was good to go. It was just trying to find my spots in, whether it was during a highlight and offering something. And then, you know, going on the desk for Bad Beats or wearing the world segment and just being myself. You know, I, I just that, that that's the only way I knew how to do it. And looking at him and just knowing each other so well, like I know what drives him nuts. I know what he really likes. I know what bothers him. I know things that he doesn't want to do. Uh, so there's that fine line of being the other guy and trying to turn turn that switch. So that that was the that was the key. It was a feeling out process for sure. I remember. And then uh, you know that NBA Finals that year was when LeBron beat uh, the Warriors. And I remember you know I was in charge and still am of, of the guests that coming on the show and being in charge. And you know every game the Cavs won, I'm like, can we get LeBron? Can we get LeBron? There finally it was like, if he wins it, he's coming. I'm like, okay, I'll believe that <laughs> when I see it. And being in the control room, I'll never forget Scott being on the desk, and we had the camera on the chair of where our guests were coming. And sure enough, the trophy, and then LeBron with like a cigar sits down. I'm like, all right, now now it feels like we got this Come ball on. rolling. Dang. You know, and <laughs> it, it, that that was definitely, I mean, that was almost you know eight ten months of the show, and it was like, all right, now we we know what we are now. We're at a place where people are going to come, you know, post game to get the best things and. And we're going to trust our host to to give us the best information and ask the best questions to guests. And uh, that's where I feel like we really found our niche and what we were. Because, you know, sport, people can get highlights on their phone all the time, you know. And, and, and we still try and do, uh, you know, the, the general gist of showing highlights and offering our own piece of a highlight to maybe doing a different highlight that the traditional sports center is not going to do. But we, 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 we knew what we were then. And uh, that's that's what I think we built upon. And, uh, you know, we've done different things and, you know, have to take time off when he goes and hosts the Masters and 
a couple of weeks. We'll go up for a whole week uh, for the PGA Championship, so there will be no sports center there. But, you know, in and around that, NBA games are over. Stanley Cup now are over. We're, we're your home after the game. So that that, that we've we found ourselves as that post-game sports center show for sure. And it's, it's so smart. And I want to talk – get into some of the sports gambling um, kind of future of sports in that – but it's so smart because, you know, for the longest time it was, okay, the game ended, you're going to get your reaction in the morning paper. Like that's that's what it was. And as the internet yeah. started to blow up, you get your reaction online. But to have a show that's going to take you from the game to it's not just the highlight, let's react. Let's talk about what happened. Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, have some commentary here. I think it's just genius and you guys have done such a great job. And I, I want to talk about sports gambling here. And I think – it's yeah. becoming less of a taboo topic. I mean, Mac and I live in the South. There are still people who will say, well, we'll never legalize <laughs> sports gambling down here. Yeah. And, you know, what? it's a slippery slope, whatever. But, and you and I have talked about this, especially for a sport like women's hoops that is so near and dear to me, it's a way to get the casual fan much more involved. So for you, Steve, as a guy who started kind of in the early 2000s when, look, people have always been gambling on sports since – since the the scandals we had in the 1920s or whatever. But how have you seen it evolve where it's become so much more mainstream? And and where do you see it going just in the overall sports landscape? Well, I do think there's a fine line of it, Kelly. I I really do. Like, I I find myself, um, you know, wanting to watch the game. You know, when a game's on, I I already know, you know, what the line is. So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not your average viewer, you know, but I don't need to be slapped in the face with it, uh, you know, with updated odds and all that stuff. But it is, like you said, it's another way to grab the casual fan. So like I said, it's a fine line to, to, to keep the integrity of the game there. But let's face it, the, the majority of people watching games, especially late at night, oh, yeah. they got money on the game, you know, so we got, we got, you got to entertain those people. And I think with the live wagering, that's a whole nother level where, where I think is, is, is tough to explain when people are still getting into the original basis of, of gambling on the game. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I think women's basketball, like I, I was texting you before, you know, as the bracket's coming out, I'm like, wow, th- what's this going to be? Like 116, is it, are we going to have a 50-point spread on a game? Like, sure, why not? If you need it, that's what you need, yeah. right? So, and, <laughs> and it's a way to talk, like, hey, just so you know, this is a 116. We've only had, I, and just so you know, I was at the, the, the 16 versus one the Stanford game Harvard beating Stanford. Yes. Oh, wow. This Fisher gave it to Stanford yeah. that night. I was right there behind the bench and uh, there were a bunch of injuries yes, for Stanford yes. in that game that I don't want to bring up, but uh, <laughs> I will bring up because people just throw it in my face all the time. But yeah, I was there. Um, but hopefully we don't see that ever again, but it, it um, no, it's, it's a different way. And I thought, you know, the Caitlin Clark dynamic of it, all that, like, you, you know, Next year, there are going to be point props oh, on yeah. her every single game. And I just look at that idea. You know, you have the buildup. You know, now we're even talks of, will the women's Final Four be in the same town as the men's Final Four? Like, that's – that. like, if you're about – I've always said the Final Four is my favorite base, in the, based in the city. Now, I'm, I'm selfish. I want to be able to walk everywhere. You know, Houston is not my cup of tea where I got to get yeah. in a car and drive every <laughs> single place. But, you know, you talk about that. There there are cities that can do it. And I love the Final Four because you get three games. You know, you get the two games on Saturday, and then you have the buildup of a championship, and you get teams. You know, I was at the Final Four in 99 when UConn beat Duke. Mm-hmm. And to see so many of my friends 
just wing it, say, I'll figure it out later and throw a flight on my credit card. I'm coming down to see UConn play in a national title. Like, there's that window, too, where people could travel uh, to the game. So getting back to the sports gambling, I do think there is a line where you're giving it too much, mm -hmm. but there's definitely a space to, to offer that, you know, in a, in a pregame scenario where there's there's things to talk about. You know, we got NBA playoffs starting out. There's going to be point props on every single player. And it's going to be a lot of it's going to be matchup based. That's interesting to me. You know, I, I want to see, you know, we have more guys average over 30 points in the NBA this year than any other season. How's that going to translate now that we got playoffs? Uh, the injury report, I think it's going to be a little shorter than, than it is during the regular season here in the playoffs. So to the idea of all that factored in, I think it makes a case to, to bring up the gambling aspect of the game. And, you know, the leagues have, have, have said, you know, you know, tabooed on it. And now we have stadiums, you know, being sponsored by casinos and stuff like that. So I think that that when that 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 wall is knocked down, um, I just, you know, there's a time to embrace it. But there still is the the integrity of the game. And, and that's where I find myself sometimes, you know, watching these baseball games and coming back from break. It's, there's a, you know, who's going to hit a home run or something like that. Like, I don't need all that stuff, but I get where they're coming from because they're trying to keep the, the, the viewer watching and, and that's how you do that stuff. Yeah, no, I, that's, that part's interesting. I think that maybe there's some of that in the future. I agree with you though. I don't think it needs to be thrown in, in the viewer's face. I think pregame post game is kind of the best place to do it. And overall we are a college football podcast. So I want to ask this because we're talking about women's hoops as well. It feels like NIL has torn the bandaid off of a lot of things with college sports where we're no longer saying, well, they're amateurs. Should you be betting on this yep. game? Well, they're making a lot of money. So it almost makes people feel perhaps better about betting on college sports. How do you feel that sports gambling in general has affected college football? And how do you see the future of that in, in just that sport specifically? Well, I think that's why it's the second biggest sport in our country. Yeah. Uh, I think how popular it is, the variety. You know, Mac, you're sitting in the in the studio every Saturday. What the difference you know, whether you're watching Navy run the option or you're watching, you know, teams Wazoo out, out west, you know, slinging around the yard and the different offenses and the different amount of totals and styles. That's why I love college football. I just feel like it does give everybody a chance. You have your Cinderella stories. Uh, you have your teams come out of nowhere that, that people continue to deny and, and not believe in. And, you know, at TCU, for instance, this year, that was just an awesome story. And people were people that wanted to naysay them all year, you know, continue to bring up the Big 12. And then, you know, you look at them, go through it. Oh, they're not going to be able to go through that conference. Well, they did. And, you know, it's just it, it's a continuing thing. The one thing I will say about the NIL, Kelly, is this is the this is the line where I think now college athletes like if, if you're getting paid, you know, there's a certain, you know, line you have to meet. And whether it's criticism, whether it's social media, you know, you have to take uh, an ownership of things and a responsibility. And most important, you got to have accountability. You know, if, if people are going to shell out money and pay you, they want to see you go to work every day. They want to see you finish out your contract. And I think that's one thing I think that gets a little dicey here with the college athletes because there are a lot of young guys, a lot of young girls, you know, getting this money where it's like, oh, they already paid me. I'm, I'm good. No. No, that's not that's not how this works. Uh, you know, so I, I do think um, it is uh, just like every other thing in the world. It's a process uh, of, of knowing what is expected. And, and, and again, accountability is, is absolutely enormous. 
And yes, there are going to be bad stories along this line, and there's going to be money shelled out that shouldn't have been. But I think now that we're in it, you're going to have your good and your bad. But I think there's a learning curve, and and, and I think there's time and and certain uh, instances where where people will look back and and, and learn from some things and, and and make the best of their opportunities as they come forward to them. Yeah, man, it's such a just an evolving landscape, and and things changing. And that accountability piece that you bring up, it's going to be. Interesting to see because if a guy's getting paid or a girl's getting paid million dollars to, to perform at a certain level and you don't, there's repercussions. There's going to be backlash. There's all these different things and perception. How much does that change? So, um, you know, just being a, a sports guy, but also having played, you know, at the college level and, and doing these different things. I mean, what do you think about where? This sport is headed. We're headed to an expanded playoff, NFL or NIL, all these, you know, expansion of things. Um, do you like it? Love it? Hate it? You know, what what do you think of where we're going? Yeah, it's 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 hard. Nobody likes change, Mac. I mean, yeah, right. let's just face it. You know, nobody likes it. And but it there comes a time where you do need it. And I do see, you know, the expansion continuing. Uh I look at these I mean, I think I think the Big 12 is a little scared right now of, of what they're losing and where and especially where they're going to. Uh, I look at what the Big 10 did and, and, and plucking the L.A. schools from the Pac-12. Like, what what are they? They don't even have a TV deal. You know, and, and that's that's the stuff where it's like, all right, are we more worried about getting money right away or do we need to get our schools more exposure? You know, that that that's where I look at. So, you know, what does that provide or where could we go for that? ESPN has more entities and places to put your games in. Right. And I, th- that's the one thing I still think that sells more than anything because when you look at those, you know, those growing stories, you know, UCF, uh, whatever, 10 years ago, they're nothing. I mean, they, they fired a coach mm-hmm. with a winless season, and now they're going to the Big 12. Like, that, right. that's, that's a big deal. But why? Because they were exposed. They took that opportunity when they had a great season, and they rode that thing into the ground and look at now what they are. I mean, you go to that campus now, it's like a different world right. uh, than it was 10 years ago. So I, there's money out there, obviously. The expanded playoff with the new TV deal is is huge. Uh, I just wonder, is it – every team's not going to have the same opportunity or, or the same even chance, right? Sure. But you still got to provide the opportunity for the teams that don't have the sustainability – as an SEC or an right. ACC or a Big right. Ten. So that's what I think is key is still leaving the door open for these smaller schools or these conferences that aren't even made up yet. They still have to have a platform <laughs> and a road into play with the big boys. So that that's where I think is key to make sure those doors remain open with so many teams changing conferences and you know, tiers of conferences, most importantly. Right. Well, well, and that's kind of an interesting thing, too. You you mentioned all these conferences. You mentioned the small schools, things of that nature. It, it, in 10 years from now, maybe mm-hmm. 10, 10 is the number, are, are you on board with these or this super conference? Do you think it's going to become mini NFL where it's the Big Ten that yangs over to the West and the SEC that – you know, yings up to, to the Northeast. And what happens to Stanford, I, Steve? You got to be worried about Stanford. <laughs> well, that Stanford's its own conversation. Yeah, that's so true. We got, we got to get some people that care about sports involved <laughs> Very at true. that university. Very true. And I, I understand where the priorities are. <laughs> I, I get it. But, I, Mac, I, I yeah, I could totally see, you know, four conferences. Yeah. I, I really can yeah. because 
now with the amount of money that's coming in. And is I it a different it. league, though? Like, is it a Division Zero? Is it just a new entity? Is it just football? Like, it's going to be weird. Yeah, it's going to be weird. The, the, I think what we're going to learn a lot about, and I, I've listened to a lot. I, I listened to an interview Bob Huggins did over the Final Four, and he was asked about Houston coming into the Big 12. And he was he didn't shy away. He's like, they have no idea what they're in for. And I thought he was a great person to talk about that because look what West Virginia did and still look at their schedule, what they have to do. And I'm not talking about basketball and football. I'm talking about women's soccer. You know, you know, uh, how are, what do they, do they go to Texas for a month and play, you know, six games? Like I I just, and, and, and I get it online with schoolwork. That stuff, that started to happen when I was in school. Like, you could take classes, and, you know, you have tutors traveling with you and, and people involved in, in, in the university. That's that's not where I'm just thinking about the travel ideal. Are they going to be uh, taken care of as much as the top-tier teams? And that's that's where I think we're going to see they are. I think they're going to be, you know, traveling on, on charter flights and, and being taken care of and, and being you know getting enough rest uh, being a student-athlete. That That's the, that's the thing – where I think might be getting blown out of proportion, you know, when you talk about the people are talking about the LA schools coming, you know, uh, you know, to play in the Big Big Ten, you know, what's a UCLA trip look like to to Penn State? Uh, I think that stuff will be taken care of because of the money that is brought in. Uh, there is plenty of money to go around and, and make sure these people are are taken care of. Uh, they're rested and they're doing their schoolwork and, and taking you know going back to that accountability that you have to provide them the circumstances to maintain their accountability and I do think there's enough money out there to take care of of all entities when you look at you know say you know the money makers of football going all the way down I think I, I think there's they'll, they'll be taken care of those TV deals I mean that's that's where the money's coming from especially yeah. for the Big Ten and the SEC and as I'm talking here with two girl dads you guys I think both understand the importance of maintaining uh, women's collegiate sports obviously it's something I care very strongly about as well and I want to ask about the ACC in general, Steve, before we get to a little fun, some, some futures here. But the ACC is someone that you mentioned the money and the TV deal. Well, the ACC's TV deal is, is nowhere near the Big Tens or the SEC. And as someone who's not necessarily in the ACC bubble, where do you think the ACC stands right now from a football perspective, but also just in general? Well, with the news today, they got their commissioner. That's true. That's good. You're not losing your commissioner. Uh, so I would think all these guys have a plan, right? And you know that plan has to umbrella the happy people, the people that are fine with it, and the unhappy people. And we've heard the AD from Florida State come yeah. out and, and do his numbers. Now, I would like to do some fact-checking <laughs> on those numbers where he got those. <laughs> but I give him a lot of credit because he has taken this brand – they're, they're iron while this thing is hot. And, you know, Florida State is a great university. And, yes, they had a great football season. But we still need to see more, okay? Right. And that's where I think, yes, the, the TV contract is crazy long. Uh, and there could be some adjustments made to it. And I just think there is a way to keep everybody happy and under that umbrella. Now, Florida State, I'm sure we're going to talk about them in a second. Plenty of work to do. It is an ongoing thing. And uh, you talk about an umbrella of expectations that Clemson football has had. Well, let's not move that over to Tallahassee Ooh. this year and see how you do there. Right. And then maybe we could start having some conversation because let's be honest, Clemson has carried this flag long enough, and now they got humbled. So now it now now it's it, it feels like you know 
pretty open rain as much as it has and and it shoot since you've been there mac right yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean it, 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 it more teams are mentioned uh amongst clemson than that than i've than i can remember in the last decade for sure yeah, since right. Max which started is a good dynasty thing. let's remember That's max started right. the dynasty yeah since since he was a part of it, I don't know about starting it. He was a part of it, um, but I, I do think that that's a big thing. And I think when you look at the Big Ten and you look at the SEC, there's the the the, the show pony, but then there's also some really good tier yep. two. That's been the, the missing piece for the ACC because Correct. it's been Clemson or it's been Florida State, and then nobody else that can hang around. Surely you get a flash in the pan, you know, where it's Clemson or Florida State taking a seat or Louisville, a Pittsburgh from time to time. But who can sustain and yep. be right there to, to where maybe you see a surpass? Miami. Where what we saw Georgia do to Alabama, what we've seen LSU do time yep. to time. So I think KG that that'll be the biggest difference. And and can can Florida State and Clemson coexist? as these kind of, you know, national powers. Yeah, that would be great for the ACC if you get a Michigan-Ohio State situation or a Georgia-Bama situation. Right. Okay, so let's right. let's look ahead here, Steve. And I know I'm putting you on the spot. Yep. It's April. It's early. I got these from BetMGM. We're at least going to talk a few futures here before we get you out. NCAA title odds, Georgia right now is the favorite to repeat at plus 225. We've got Bama at plus 500. Ohio State plus 600, Michigan plus 1,000. I wanted to throw these teams in there too. USC, Southern Cal, plus 1,400. Mm-hmm. Clemson plus 1,800. LSU plus 1,800. And Florida State sneaks in there at plus 2,000. If you had to lean to one of these futures and maybe a, a value play or just a, a team that you think could be interesting as we get into college football season, where would you go? Uh, I'm – one team that's not on there that uh, we could talk about, but they're not in the ACC, so we don't. We want can, we can. No, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Penn State's Ooh. a team, I think, that could really, really come up this year. Oh, uh, I, I look at what they have. Just waiting to see how that roster pans out. Um, but moving forward, I think making Allard a quarterback kind of rips the bandaid off of them in knowing what they are capable Ooh. offensively. Uh, their run game was awesome last year. They have as much talent. As anybody, I, I look at them as a possible That's surprise team. Now, the road, if you, when you talk about national title, you have to look at the road, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> and Georgia's up there because of their schedule. They they don't have anybody on there that's going to threaten them, <laughs> so it's it, and and that drum will be beaten plenty. <laughs> Alabama quarterback, I, people don't seem to mind it. I am very intrigued. Right. What happens there? And go down the list. Ohio State. That's some pretty big shoes to fill. Yeah. Uh, Michigan got their guy. SC has their guy. Clemson's got their guy. LSU got their guy and a backup for the time being. But Florida State is a team that is going to have to handle this craziness of the offseason. And every year for, God, since I've been doing this, I, I've called it fake momentum. Right. And what fake momentum is, is you get your quarterback back, you have your head coach back, and you win your bowl game. That stuff used to feel like it meant something. Right. But now with the portal, NIL, freshman coming in, coaches changing as much as they have, I'm not sure it means that much anymore. Wow. But but Florida State has all those things. Yeah. And when you look at it, does it matter? I think it does when you look at Florida State and what they have cooking here. Mm-hmm. Because Travis was just tremendous. I, I look at – what he's overcome. I mean, think about him on the sidelines in that Louisville game early in the year. I just didn't know what to make of it. I mean, that was a make or break deal uh, for that whole program, I thought. Yeah. Uh, looking at where they were 
and knowing what the expectations were, and people say a year early, I don't think I think they got back on track this year, knowing how last year ended. But he's a guy that is as dynamic as anybody in the league. I get it. Drake May makes the wild plays. But when you take an offense as a whole, right. I don't see how you take North Carolina's offense over Florida State's. I really right. don't. And right. then you factor in what they've done defensively, the change of system, uh, and just guys getting better. You know, that that's mm-hmm. one thing that we get in this pressure cooker of a season where we're, not, we're analyzing week to week. You got to let these guys play together. We know how much you know the hitting is not what it used to be in camp, Mac. It's not. There ain't no lining up nine <laughs> on seven as much as there used to be. Okay, so for the coach's sake, and and I'm always going to back the coach. You know, I like I said, with the accountability to players, these players need to step up and take on more responsibility. So for the coach's sake, you got to. There's a feeling out process. So the out of conference schedules where you're, you're throwing guys to the wolves, you know, we're going to get FSU, LSU again. Right. You know, that is, you know, as risky as it could be, I think you learn a hell of a lot more about yourselves. Sure. Uh, you know, look at LSU coming out of that game. Yeah. I think Brian Kelly really learned a lot about what he had in that circumstance. So um, Florida State is that team this year. They are going to get talked to. It's going to be everybody's favorite pick. Uh, because they saw Clemson take a step back this, uh, you know, this past year. They finally get over the hump of, of making Klubnik the guy. So Florida State is going to have to be the team that handles expectations. And you know, I mean, listen, you guys are very familiar with them online. It's been a while, but they They're are back. back. That Florida State, <laughs> that Florida State fan base on social media is like no other. So. Um, I don't know if they all go to the games, but they sure are online, right? Hey, we love it. We love it because they're absolutely absolutely. It is entertaining as hell. Uh, So yeah, I think Florida State. When you look at every team, they are going to be the one that sticks out that has those three entities. Uh, So I, I look at them as as having a huge target on their back, and that starts week one. I mean, the other thing is, you know, you talk about the road with the teams to win a title. These teams, the ACC and the Pac-12, I, I think the last couple of years are more more so than any. The opportunities you have to play against the SEC in the Big Ten, you have to win those games. Have to, yeah. I mean, because that. I mean, people talk about narratives and yeah, how they changes get created. Everything. Yeah, that's that that that's it right there. And and Florida State helped themselves a ton yep. uh, winning that game last year, and now it just it keeps going up. So all the credit to them. They they get you know. They got in their stance and they and they made plays when they had to. Yeah. Now it's about taking it to the next level. I think Travis is a guy that could take them there. Right. So Florida State definitely is a team uh, that I would lean toward looking at those odds. Come on, man. I like that. Our Florida State listeners are going to love that. I'm, I'm going to let KG jump into the Heisman. I've got two for you. Uh, I'm interested in your take on, and Kelly has asked this to a lot of people that we've had on lately, specifically Noel. So I'm interested for a neutral guy here. <laughs> Is Florida State going into this year the favorite to win the ACC? I believe or should, so. should they be? Should they? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So I, I like that. And then, would you rather, or do you think it's more possible they're four and zero or two and two to start this season? They have LSU and Clemson in the first four games. I can't get a three and one. No three and one. No three and one. No three and one. I'm not letting you either. You're either all in or you're all out. I like it. Put me on the spot. More likely. Between two and two and and four and zero, oh, I would say four and zero. Oh. Wow, I would. Man, All right. I see would. that. This is what I'm interested to see. Everything that you just said, 
Can they handle it? Yeah. Can they handle all this expectation, all this hype? A team that did not beat a ranked team last year, can they handle all of this and take that next step? All of it's in place. You just mentioned with with coaches, with returning yeah. players, so much experience. They're not learning anything. They're just no. playing. No, no. Can and they I, take that step? Yeah. I mean, Mac, you know this. Like when I back in 99, 2000, we had just installed like the zone run scheme, right? <laughs> right? And literally, we look back and we're like, oh, we were trying to run this in 97 too. <laughs> it literally took that long for our guys. Right. right. You get injuries and you get guys that are starting to play each other and coaches see, oh, wow, this left guard is better with this left tackle when right. we're running, you know, 43 zone as right. opposed to 42. You know, it's, it's totally different nowadays. And that's where I just think, you know, the one thing I will say at Florida State, like they know now what they're getting into. Absolutely. One, you know, whereas last year, in the, you know, you got to go to the Superdome. You really don't know what you have. Mm-mm. You got some transfers that you're hoping the best for, right. <laughs> but what what's going to happen when you know you go down? You're you know you're down you know a, a touchdown in, in the second half. I think he knows a lot more about his team. I think you talked about it. They're not learning now. They're looking to take the next step. Yeah. So what are they doing? They're working on what they're good at yep. and what they could go after LSU with. So uh, yeah, I, I I do think the world Norvell has done. I mean, think about coming out of COVID with the way that oh, roster yeah. was. Yeah, I mean, that was as ugly. terrible. Yeah. I mean, it looked, it looked like a, a high school team. When you go yep. to practice and you see the body types, two years ago, we're just like, what is this? This yeah, is not and, Florida State. And then you got the you know, the guys on the roster spouting off on social oh, media. Yeah. Like, right. that that was just, right. you know, that to to see him roll his sleeves up and and, and stay there and say, this is what, how we're going to do it, this is what we're going to do it, and I'm going to be the leader, that showed me a lot. Uh, that, that that really did. So, uh, yeah, I hey. Florida State, you always want to be in the mix. You got the expectations now. We'll label you. They're there. We're we're gonna have fun talking about that all summer. All right, Steve. I know you are super busy, so let's finish here with some Heisman discussion. And the other thing I know about the Heisman discussion is that the favorite basically never wins. So <laughs> you've got Caleb Williams. I just found these odds on Sports Illustrated. I'm not sure we if we have official. You know, there's probably different odds. They're all out there. over. They're all over the place. Caleb Williams right now is the favorite at plus three fifty. You got Drake May at plus nine hundred. Bo Nix plus eleven hundred, Jordan Travis plus eleven hundred, also Michael Penix in there at eleven hundred, um, Sam Hartman at plus fourteen hundred with Notre Dame. That's very interesting. Quinn Ewers, Brock Vandegrift, and then Klubnik comes in at plus fourteen hundred. You can say Caleb Williams if you want. It just feels like for for chatter, it's never the favorite, and he came so close last year, and the expectations are so high. So where do you, how do you feel about this whole Heisman discussion as we are talking on in uh, mid-April? So obviously it means nothing. But what do you think? No, I just think I, I look at the ground and the floor that these guys have set, mm. Kelly. Like, look how good Caleb Williams was. Right. Look how good Drake May was. Bo Nix, I, I didn't think he was capable Me of doing what he did. You know, and, and Penix was just seeing Ridiculous. him back with, yeah. with Coach DeBoer was awesome. Uh, to see how many of these guys could be better than they were. Right. That, that's what that's what's weird about this coming year. And like you know, being a Pac-12 guy, <laughs> I just look at those quarterbacks in those leagues. I just rattled off three of them. Uh, you know, UCLA might be the best team in the Pac-12. Mm. They don't know who their quarterback's going to be. Right. You know, so I, I look at the floor these guys have set, and 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 Caleb's Caleb's Caleb is going to jump out there uh, at the beginning of the year because their schedule's so backloaded. Right. Uh, right. So you got to be wary of that. But I'm with you, Kelly. I would never take the favorite in any race. Uh, Hartman is super interesting mm. to me. 
uh, because Notre Dame has been really handcuffed at the wide receiver position. It feels like they do have some guys now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just want to see Sam Hartman not in the Wake Forest offense. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I think the world of him, man. I really yeah. do. I just want to see him play like a real sure. a real system where we're accustomed right. to seeing uh, and being familiar with. And with Cade, I'm not sure. Like This is the one thing I would think about for Clemson opponents. I don't think you have seen the capability of this offense. You got a new system coming in. Now you can't, you know, run all your, you know, use all your old blitzes and game tapes you used against the old system there. So Cade probably has the biggest room to grow when you look at those guys and what he's coming off of. Um, So he's interesting for sure. The problem is, 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 is what's he going to do? You know, how much shine is Shipley going to get? Right. You know, who's, when it comes down to it with the stats, you know, you're going to have two guys there that are worthy. Like, I thought Shipley was a was a good value this past year, and obviously things don't work out because of what happens at the quarterback situation. But now, I think Shipley's a guy that you look at and knowing how versatile he is. And like I said, with this new system, it is it, 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 I think it's the best-case scenario for Clemson. Their coaching staff, their players, their fans, like, it is fresh. Yeah. Um, you know, things I do feel like got stale, uh, you know, being an outsider and watching Clemson. Sure. I, you know, plenty of things you look at, whether it was the defense. Like, I thought their defensive line last year was going to be the best unit of any unit yes. in, yep. in college football. Yes. And, you know, the situation with Brzee, and, and it just – it didn't gel. No. And I think a lot of that stems from the struggles on the offensive side where a lot more – A lot more pressure. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, I mean, you go back to the great Clemson team. That defense was great because the offense was taking care of business. Right. When your offense isn't taking care of business, your defense has to be that much better. Hard. yeah. Yeah. And I mean, those guys – I mean, come on. Those defensive <laughs> guys don't like being on the field a lot. You know, they, <laughs> they, like, they like those 10-12 right. play drives for the offense. So, um, I think Shipley is a guy that's not on the list that I think can take his level because – the versatility, the dynamic factor he has, where he could line up anywhere on the field. Mm-hmm. I just love that. Um, yeah. You know, I, I just, I really do. And he's a guy that I think is going to have a major, major year this year. Yeah. Especially, I mean, you see what Riley did at TCU with that yeah. running back staff or, or unit and the things that he's going to do with Shipley. I mean, People are excited. They're yeah. excited about it, man. We're excited. This was an awesome episode, dude. We really appreciate your time. I know you're all over the place. So thank you. First guest on the summer summer list here, man. You knocked it out of the park. All right. I'm always here. I appreciate you guys, everything you guys do too. So I'm listening whenever I can. Uh, good luck with everything and have a great summer. Mac, this interview was truly awesome. I'm so glad we started our summer guest series with Stanford Steve. And you know him. You love him. You see him on Midnight Sports Center. Follow him on Twitter. He's all over the place. But appreciate his time, his thoughts on the future of of sports gambling, but also college football, the ACC, et cetera, and his thoughts on Florida State and Clemson. I'm sure we will revisit those thoughts many, many times as we go throughout the summer, Mac. Uh, that's right, KG. I'm saving all receipts from every guest that we <laughs> hey, talked to. Hey, he had a to. lot of great things to say about Clemson. He did. He did. He, he, it was great. It was a lot of fun. But really appreciate him just, again, starting off our summer guest tour here with an absolute bang. Uh, and, and, again, all summer long, guys. We're going to have some great guests for you. Cannot wait for you to see who's coming up next. Uh, but that's it from us. Another great episode of Gramlick and Mac Lane presented by our great friends over at Ingles. Uh, if you haven't already, get on YouTube. We do a lot of fun stuff over here. Subscribe over there. We really appreciate your guys' support. And, of course, over
over on Apple Podcasts, the OGs, rate, review, subscribe. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see y'all. Thank you.